Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is Joshua Khan with the news. In political news, the Dairy Free Zone held their first election. I am pleased to accept my new position as King of the New World. Soon we will open our doors for the first time since the outbreak, march forward into the wasteland, and no one will stand in our way. Not even the hand of God could stop us now. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Hey everyone, sorry for the interruption, but I have a quick, very important, and extremely exciting announcement. Dairy Public Radio is having our first live episode at the Midwest Monster Fest on Sunday, September 14th from 5 to 6 p.m. This will be at the Spotlight Event Center in Moline, Illinois, and you can find more information on our Facebook page. Tickets are $15 for a day pass, $25 for the weekend, $65 for VIP, and you get a bunch of cool, sweet merch with that. With those tickets, you not only get to see us, yay, but you can meet a bunch of cool celebrities from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Walking Dead, Star Trek, motherfucking TNG. There are all kinds of panels and events, FX, costume, all kinds of contests. I could go on and on. It's really going to be worth it to come out. And for a cherry on top of this beautiful horror Sunday, Josh and I were judges on over 100 film submissions. You'll get to see all the winners screened at the festival. We watched some really spectacular stuff, and you won't want to miss those screenings either. So check out the event, get your ticket, come see us, guys. We want to see your faces. We love your faces. All right, back to the show. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King book club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. What's up, constant readers? And today we are tackling part five, the most parts we've ever done on a book. <laughs> part five good of The Stand. We fucking did it, guys. We did it. <laughs> and we have CM leading our discussion. Take it away, CM. Thanks, Josh. Uh, let's have a recap again for the fifth time. <laughs> so Mother Abigail went into the wilderness. She went on a spirit journey. And she returns just in time to save everyone but Nick from Harold's bomb. She dies, but not before performing a miracle on Franny, who tells her to shove it where the sun don't shine. Yep. We have our last committee meeting. Harold and Nadine begin their self-imposed exile. Stu, Larry, Ralph, and Glenn start walking west. Only a few weeks behind the spies they sent. The judge, Dana, and Tom. We begin episode five with part three of The Stand, chapter 61. The man in black has guard posts along Oregon's eastern border because somehow he knows... Not only that the judge is coming, but that he's not coming straight east through Utah. The guards have strict orders to bring him in because Flag has special plans for him, mostly his head. And we open with two characters, Bobby Terry and Dave Roberts. Right off the bat for part three, the most exciting thing about the final leg of the stand is it all takes place in the West. We have spent so long worried about the West, all the bad things happening in the West, but we never fucking see any of it. And I was immediately like, okay, this is where the action happens. The action doesn't start off good for our, (laughs) for our heroes. No, not super good. Well, and it's exactly the same thing. It's what I said when they had the idea for spies, which was, well, that's not going to work. And you know why we know that doesn't, isn't going to work is because in this bit, we we find out that Flag has commanded all of these outposts because they know that there are, Flag said there's spies coming and that they need to capture both of them. Very specifically, not all three, both not of them, all of them, yes, both of them. And why are they so loyal to him? Why are they so afraid? I feel like we get a sense of that in this chapter. Oh, because he's fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, what well, else do you need? They they have this cool <laughs> conversation, though, because one of them wants to go check out the dam or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other one's like, go for it. And he's yeah, like, yeah, fuck that. So. <laughs> because he can just show up. We learned that the West, it's not all in Vegas. The free zone, it is all centralized in one city. But the West, they say that they have outposts in 
Portland, in LA, in all of these Western cities where they're uh, working to get multiple sites up and flag will just show up walking. Yeah. Which it's like, is how did he get here? He was so just over cool. here uh, hours ago. Then we cut to the judge and he has had, he is having a very rough trip. He's tired. He's old. He has arthritis. It's raining. I thought we were going to get more of him. And I'm so disappointed that we didn't because the scene in the hotel was really cool. And I was like, okay, What's going to happen? There's going to be some like mini showdown between him and Flag. Well, there, there kind was. of was. <laughs> there, but uh, beyond that, I was expecting him. I was expecting him to make it into Vegas. Oh, not no, unassisted, never in a million but years. alive. No. I, I assumed this scene of the judge was all we were ever going to get of the judge. The judge breaks into a motel room, camping out for the night, and he wakes up to a crow. Peering into his window, just tap, tapping. Tap, tapping on yeah. his chamber door. <laughs> <laughs> Quoth the crow, please don't shoot me with that fucking rifle. <laughs> yeah, uh, the judge, it like sees it and it slowly comes into his head like, this is the dark man. He's watching me yeah. through this crow. And so he just slowly reaches down. And he's like, if I could peg this thing. Yeah, he thinks it he might be trap over. That would be his fucking amazing. spirit in the bird. Anticlimactic, yeah. but Very anticlimactic. But he did something that made me realize... I'm probably the judge in this story. How so? How? Go on. He forgot to turn off the safety. <laughs> yeah, such a bummer. Uh, but did he? <gasps> did he forget to... Because throughout this uh, second, third uh, part, Flag has little ways of influencing things. Or was it our Old Testament God? Yeah, he's a dick, too. So. <laughs> I think it was definitely the judge's fault because of the way that the crow freaked the fuck out when it saw the rifle. It was like, ah, I didn't see that coming. And he like, scatters away. Flag has put out orders for um, the spies' heads to be brought back to them intact. And uh, so when the judge gets caught. The most amazing thing happens. There's this showdown and the judge... <laughs> the judge uh, fires on them once he he realizes too late that it's a trap. He gets out of his car and that's the moment he's realized, oh, these are flags men's. And then the, the firefight starts and the judge fires a shot and it hits the windshield glass and the glass fires all into this guy's face. <laughs> and uh, Bobby fires just a wild shot and it just tears the judge's skull apart. And he is so proud of himself until he remembers the specific order. Don't damage their head. That yeah. was really good because my note was he gets shot super hard and flag eats Bobby Terry. Yes, yeah. he eats him, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, oh, he yeah. definitely Absolutely. eats him. Flag just, he he's like staring at the the corpse and like thinking, oh, now I have to run. And before he can even finish the thought, he hears boot heels <laughs> clicking behind him. And it's so fucked up and really <laughs> rad. Uh, but with one spy down, uh, the next chapter, we immediately go to um, the most badass of our spies. Hell our yeah. true female lead. Oh, hell yeah. Not Franny. No, <laughs> Dana. Dana. Yeah, she's been accepted into the community. She's working a crew and she she's likes them. Pumping Larry for information. <laughs> That's <laughs> gross. One way to say it. <laughs> Larry's pumping her. I uh, think that uh, she's probably never faked an orgasm quicker in her life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was shocking to me because it starts up with she's laying in bed and there's a guy showering and she's like thinking about. Vegas and all the stuff she's learned about Indian Springs, uh, a Air Force base where they are training pilots, mm -hmm. which is I wrote down. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you don't know. And then this guy comes out of the shower and it's Lloyd. And you're like, oh, oh, fuck. Uh, I mean, good idea. Yeah. That's I, some good spy work. I can't help but draw parallels between our, our new version of Lloyd and Larry. I don't know why. To me, in my head now, they are... I get that. Yeah. They, they They're both, twinners. <laughs> yes, they really are. Because they both have 
the biggest quote unquote redemption arc. <laughs> I mean, obviously Lloyd is not redeemed in any way, but yeah. he's a different person. Well, later he even says, I don't know what the dark man did to me, but he made me better. He made me smarter. Mm. And I'm so glad. I was so happy to read that line because that kept sticking out to me. And it was like, did Stephen King forget about how he initially wrote him? And of course he didn't. <laughs> He's Stephen King's amazing and beautiful. And when he, when I read that, I was like, yeah, okay. So even he can like sense that and feel that. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Dana's uh, spying really well. But it doesn't last very long. No, because Flag already knew that she was coming. She wakes up. Is it the next morning? It's really soon. Yeah. And she wakes up to being kicked. By Lloyd and um, a man named Whitney. Uh, Whitney Horgan. And then and, uh, Jenny. Her friend Jen, who yeah. she, she works with. Mm-hmm. This was very humanizing for Vegas. Even though they're doing, it's so weird, they're doing this terrible thing. They're kicking her literally out of bed they're really upset with her because she's a Mm. spy. So they're not being kind, especially not Lloyd, but Whitney, she can sense and hear the regret and the sorrow in his voice for what's going on. When she's been exposed and they're and Lloyd's kicking her, she screams to Lloyd. I gave you VD. Where did she get VD? I don't think that's real. Got I think it. okay. it's just her fucking with him. Okay, here. that was really good. That's like saying, Lloyd, your penis is ugly. That's, I think, harsher. Right, personally. yeah. That's like the worst thing you can I say. I gave you VD that made your penis ugly. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> and we find out that she's also been, she, she has had this, um, we talked about last time, her knife. Her she, assassin blade. Yeah, and she has never gotten dressed in front of anybody. And so now she's supposed to get dressed because they're going to take her down to see Flag and she needs her weapon. So she fakes a stomach ache. <laughs> so would not yeah, work, I'm but gonna, I love I'm going to throw up. And she locks herself in the bathroom and gets dressed in just enough time that by the time they're breaking it in, she is clothed and has her knife. And they make their way downstairs. The... Yeah confrontation between her and flag is one of my favorite moments in this entire section because flag approaches her in such a reasonable way. He, he invites mm-hmm. her to sit on the floor with him. <laughs> they, they sit cross-legged across yeah. from each other and uh, have a talk. Uh, it reminded me of a little palaver that a, a gunslinger once had with a man. Oh black shit. In the Golgotha. Yes. Yeah, oh, that's it, amazing. It gave me such flashbacks to that because Dana is 1,000 fucking percent a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. And that conversation is so meticulous. He Flag is saying, look, I, I don't know what they they said to you. <laughs> we're, we're just we're doing fine out here. We're doing our thing. You guys are sending spies. You guys are the weird ones. Hands her a map with all of the areas highlighted where his people are and says, hey, take you know what? I'm not going to do anything to you. Gets on the intercom. Lloyd, go gas up Dana's motorcycle. Uh, she's going to be gone in a minute. Comes back. Here's your map. Here's all our people. Look, if you want to send people, send them. Don't send them as spies. Let's be friends. We're not. We don't want to mess with you. You don't mess with us. It's fine. But just one thing before you go. I know there's another spy and I know, you know. So who is it? And she says she won't tell. So he gets back on the intercom and says, Lloyd, don't put gas in that tank, which was his fatal mistake. And she attacks him with a banana. (laughs) (laughs) That was such... It's such a weird detail. It is something that I have... It's such a memorable thing. Like, I will always remember i pray it's in the tv show i don't remember oh my god it's it's such a distinct like iconic moment that i always remember it but rereading it it's so ridiculous (laughs) it is that's why i love it though it's like that what would you do in that moment (laughs) throw yourself through a window i guess yeah yeah let's talk about what she does because that i think this is the most epic battle in the whole book Mm, it's definitely yeah, I think it might be because and I wouldn't call it a battle, really, because. Well, it is, though. She was he was trying to charm her and she was battling for her self-control. 
He was trying yeah. to invade her mind like he That's has done true. all the people in Vegas, which we get a little more insight into when we're back with Tom. Uh, I guess the I, I was just thinking because like she doesn't really throw any blows uh, except to her own face. She does punch herself in the face to uh, regain control mm-hmm. a little bit. Which is a move Flag is not expecting. Uh, and neither is he expecting her to throw herself headfirst into a plate glass window. She puts, she gets her head all the way through the glass, but she doesn't break the glass. And she knows if they get me back out, they're going to torture me until I tell them. So she just rams her neck against one of these shards of glass sticking out. And it's fucking badass. And Flag thinks to himself about it later. And he says she didn't even hesitate a second. Because if she had, he would have had time. He would have turned that window into a banana. Uh, also, uh, interesting that by doing this, this way of like, not only did she self-sacrifice saving Tom, but she did it in such a way to destroy her own head. Yeah. The only thing that flag wanted out of, oh, fuck, I didn't even (laughs) think about that. Denying him, denying him of this, this need he had and, uh, beginning flag's downfall and we should also mention she only knows that it's tom because she saw him coming Mm. in when she was up in the crane changing the lights that's right chapter 63 it's really short it's just a little boy he's playing with tom and another woman and they're sitting on a park bench and up comes walking julie laurie julie fucking laurie i forgot this character existed yep. my note just has her name in all caps because i freaked <laughs> out yeah it's been what 900 pages since <laughs> we've seen this character but she is such a stephen king character yeah. you hate to read about her yeah she she sees tom and recognizes mm-hmm. him from running into nick and tom in uh wherever it was yeah. nebraska or whatever But more importantly, the next chapter, chapter 64, here we are, you guys. Harold dreamt his death, and he is now living it. Okay. People who listen to our show know, who've who've followed us as we talk about the process of this show on social media, that uh, CM edits our podcasts, and I listen back to them and write all of our episode descriptions and episode titles. I was listening to... An episode, the episode where that scene takes place, where he dreams mm-hmm. of himself dying on a hillside. I listened to it yesterday. Is that when you got it? And I was like, <laughs> "Motherfucker!" I just missed it entirely yeah. the first time. Dying on a rocky hillside God. because as he fled uh, with Nadine. Well, the chapter starts with him dying. He's, yes, his leg is shattered. Uh, and he's just lying on this desolate mountain. He and Nadine were on their bikes, and they're coming around a bend, and there is an oil slick sort of conveniently placed. And he hits it, and he just goes tumbling over the edge, lands bad on his leg, breaks it. But the momentum that he has, he flies up in the air again, and he comes mm. down on it again. And it's it's a brutal wreck yeah i cringed reading it i hate harold but still anytime i read i felt it snap again it's like oh jesus what did you think of the reveal when he kind of comes to and he looks up and he sees nadine and he's like throw me the rope and she's shaking her head yeah it was flag that it it wasn't a random accident it was flag saying this guy has served his purpose fuck him but he gave her a choice. That, that's what she says to him, that uh, he gave me the choice, and trust me, this is better than what he would have done that's to you. That's right. Yeah, because he doesn't like Harold either, which kind of made me feel like, damn, Harold. <laughs> <laughs> but I think later, it's either here or later that she's under the understanding that this was supposed to be the quick and painless death. Mm. And it certainly was not. Not for lack of trying. This. So, Ben, you mentioned... That this is where things start to go wrong when mm-hmm. he's denied his prize of this, the heads of these two spies. And this is another thing. It be- was supposed to be quick and painless. It was. I, I believe, I agree. Because 
if he had been quick and painless, uh, Harold wouldn't have had the chance to steady himself down in this ravine and take a shot at Nadine. And almost kill her. Very nearly kills Nadine. So Flag had to kind of like fight him from a distance to this, keep Nadine safe. This so it was is more one work those, for him. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those like slight uh, influences that Flag mm-hmm. has because as Harold is drawing a bead on Nadine, he says, this shot, this second shot, I will hit her. Just then he feels a push mm-hmm. and he tumbles back down the and hill. it goes wild. What did you guys make of Harold's apology? Oh, fuck that. <laughs> he, he writes in his diary. He crawls all the way back up to the road and gets his fucking diary and is basically like, Dear diary, sorry. <laughs> the devil done did me a trick. Oh, I can't believe it. I, I know it was bad, but sorry. Did Harold just become a doggo meme? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Fuck him. I got a bamboozle yeah. and then he eats a bullet. Yeah. But he signs it Hawk. Signs it the name they gave him in Boulder. Oh, that, yeah. It's such, it's still the same Harold where he's trying to make him fucking self look good. Fuck that. Yeah, which, uh, you know, our other, we'll get to later, but the other survivors, when they find him, they're, they look at it like, yep, and then just toss it. <laughs> yeah. They don't even bury him. They're just like, eh, and they just no, move on. but not entirely. Stu feels bad for him, and he wants revenge on Flag, not just for Nick, not just for mm. Sue, but he says now also for Harold. So he does feel something. I mean, they read it. I think it's a shitty apology, but I couldn't help but feel something for it, especially when he signed his name Hawk. Just, you know, as we talked last episode, that was like his moment. Mm-hmm. That was when he could have turned it all around and been okay. Yeah. Stu and also does him the kid. kindness of taking the gun out of his mouth and yeah. just setting it down. <laughs> Chapter 65 is awesome. Uh, is it? it well, is it's it? it's, Yes, it's awesome because we are reading a horror book, and this is horrible. Yeah. Okay, oh, that is it. a good point. This yeah. chapter is dark. Flag is in the desert, and he's trying to see. He sends out his eye, and he's he's getting worried. Things are just not going right, and you can kind of tell people are looking at him differently. They're starting to lose faith in him. Mother Abigail died. He thought that was a good thing, but now he's reflecting on it, and he's not so sure. He couldn't see her final moment, so he doesn't know what, if anything, she said to the group. Mm-hmm. The judge has been blown away. He didn't see Dana taking her own life coming at all. He can't see Trash Can Man. He cannot. No. And Harold's bomb only got two of them. Harold tried to kill Nadine and almost succeeded. And he's forgetting his past. He can't remember things clearly anymore, things that he should be able to remember. Nadine's bike, meanwhile, has finally died. And she's walking through the desert by herself. And... There's a little voice in her head that's telling her that Flag's not all he's cracked up to be. And she wonders why that voice came too late. And this made me wonder if she can finally hear that voice in her head because his power is fading. That's very possible. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. This it, It's so frustrating because she even thinks she's like, I could t- all bets are off when when Harold fired at me, it showed that Flag is not all powerful. And now that I know that he's not all powerful, he can't make me do anything. All bets are off. And he, she thinks, I could go back. But then she's like, oh, where? Older. You'd be in jail forever. But you could go back. It's better than what happens. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anything is. Because finally Flag and Nadine meet. Yeah, night comes and she's walking and all of a sudden she just knows that he's there. She turns around and he's sitting on the hood of a car. He tells her to call. She asks him, what's your real name? And he says, Richard. It is such a pointless lie. I, I It's such a small detail. I love it mm-hmm. because it's such a small. He's I can just see the the smirk on his face of like. I don't have to tell you shit. It's so evil. I It's yeah. great. I wrote that down too. I love that. <laughs> he takes her and she tries to resist. She can't resist. He's too powerful still. And this, I don't know how detailed we want to get. My only note is this part is bad. It that's, is so, that's it. Yeah. yeah. For example, 
when he whips it out and she sees what he has for her, she's got a little face on screaming. It. it doesn't say that. Yeah, it's got a little. It's, it's, Why it's do you face. Think that? No, <laughs> she's Down describing there. his face. That his his face that's yeah, on his, his face that's looks on his different. Dick. No, and it's, it's like his, his, his penis does not have a face, and it, it's glaring she, at her, and he. It sounds like Beetlejuice. Like, hey, baby. <laughs> I, my note was oh. is, was that he look that he looks like the Wendigo because oh, he, she describes his yellow glowing uh, glowing yellow lamps for eyes, which is how they describe the Wendigo. And if you mm-hmm. listen to our episodes on Pet Cemetery, we described the Wendigo in a lot of detail. You can imagine what his dick does look like. <laughs> yeah, it's terrifying. <laughs> So he rapes her and impregnates yeah. her, and it is Except so for a great detail. It no. is so terrible uh. that she loses her mind. She, she becomes withdraws. catatonic and yeah. insane. And he later can't remember what he did to her. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, that part is like just the just that final gruesome detail that mm-hmm. ties it all up and makes it all even worse. Later in that night, they're sleeping in the desert, and Flag wakes up afraid. Because he feels that something just passed him by in the night. Mm-hmm. Which is so cool. Yeah. yeah. Especially we, when we find out what it was that passed by <laughs> under the full moon. Love that. M-O-O-N. That spells we're going to hear in a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't do segues. Nailed it. <laughs> While this is going on, things are not going well in Vegas. A misunderstanding on the level of Harold Lauder causes Trash Can Man ah! to go rogue. I love this. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that this happens because it's it's the previous day while Flag is out in the desert. Uh, Lloyd hears that uh, Indian Springs, the staging site of their their Air Force, has been set on fire. There was a huge fire that killed people and injured others. And who set that fire? The hero of the entire book, <laughs> the Trash yep. Can Man. I'm with you. Trash You're Can right. is Trash Can Man's the best. I told you. He had, he's been bringing back uh, toys, quote unquote. And uh, I, I don't think we really touched on this, and maybe it wasn't in the previous. Maybe it was more clear in this section. He has this knack for just finding things, useful yes. things in the desert. Uh, they, yeah, they say he's like a, a heat-seeking, mm-hmm. uh, heat-seeking missile that he'll just wanders. He's like he a will, truffle-sniffing, yeah, truffle-sniffing yeah. pig. <laughs> where he goes out into the desert, uh, he d- isn't given orders. The they they keep saying that Trash Can Man is almost as strange as Flag himself. Even Flag has even that Flag thought. is like <laughs> that dude's weird. <laughs> uh, which I which is why I brought up that Flag can't follow Trash Can Man. What else can't Flag see? Anything holy? Ooh. Yeah, Tom. Tom. He cannot see Tom because Tom is pure and of God. He can't see. He didn't see. Um, Abigail's final words Mm -hmm. because they were coming directly from God. He can't see Trash Can Man. Because Trash Can Man is a servant of God. Uh, not, as we find out (laughs) in the uh, final chapters. He's the hand of God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, no, absolutely. I would 100% argue that that is correct. Yeah. But he, he had brought back a bunch of, um, incendiary fuses these like timed, they're like thermite fuses. Yeah. And one of the other Vegas people who he has become friends with, who have come to accept him, makes a simple joke of, hey, everybody hide your matches. Trash can man's back. And immediately all of that work is undone. God, and yeah. In is, a big way. He is on the outside again. He he has like PTSD when that mm-hmm. happens and he starts talking about the old lady's pension check and everyone's like, what what's going on? And they didn't mean to hurt his feelings. They were just giving him a, a good natured hard time, yeah. but they don't know what's going on a in his head. And that but from his perspective, he sees the faces of all those people that yep. used to speak to him in his head. And so he's like, you know what? I'm putting incendiary devices in fucking everything. Let's do it. Yeah. And just blows 
everything to shit. Killing one of their pilots. Killing both of their pilots. Oh, no, not yet. Oh, not yet. Not yet. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> uh, and just doing all of this. And Lloyd is freaking out because this is bad news. Mm-hmm. And that's the time that Julie Laurie, Laurie uh, decides to show up. Julie Laurie. So great. Uh, the note I have is Julie Laurie, all sexed up, goes to see <laughs> Lloyd and wants to use Lloyd to to get the credit for saying, hey, I know who your spy is. Your spy is this deaf mute Nick. He's got to be here because he travels with this guy. Tom Cullen. Tom Cullen. And he she tells him all this information. He's like, yeah, I, you know what? I'll look into it. If it's true, I'll make sure you get the credit put your boobs away and leave. So we know now we know, all right, the the bad guys have a bead. They have got their first line on Tom. Then we cut over to Tom and Tom sees the full moon. He knows it's time to his time to go back. Booking it. Okay. The most important part that I want to talk about the beginning of Tom's journey is his impression of Vegas because he says kind of like Dana, they're just people. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, they're just as nice as the people in Boulder. But he said they have a weird smell. And the way he sort of describes that smell is that there's something off about them. And every once in a while, they all go silent and their eyes glaze over and they do things without being given instruction. It's like Flag is controlling. I mean, not only has he manipulated these people because he's lied to them, he's scared them, Mm -hmm. you know, in in reference to boulder like they're coming to get us we need to protect ourselves that's the pitch he's given but he's controlling them you're never given a full a full idea of just how far flag's power spreads yeah because uh they even say that at this point it's impossible to differentiate the truth about flag from the myth that has sprung up around him and it makes you question the villains that we think we know. Are they villains? I mean, how complicit are they in what yeah, they Yeah, the human, the human bad right. guys. How bad, how much of it was Flag's, uh, Flag's power asserting mm-hmm. itself? Well, I think we, we talked about this on the past two episodes, uh, kind of pieces of this puzzle, in that uh, when we discussed where would we end up in this and i made the joke of i'd be in vegas because i'm a coward at heart (laughs) and then we also talked about that this these places aren't built of good and evil it's there are people in the middle who have to decide where they wind up and it is just as there are not the best people in boulder there's not the worst people in vegas they just went there because they were drawn there with a stronger pull. Mm -hmm. It's not black and white. Right. Chapter 67, Flag is back, and he and Lloyd have a tense conversation, which leaves Lloyd feeling even more doubt. Flag comes back, and Lloyd is terrified. Lloyd is so scared to tell him about what happened in Indian Springs and about Tom, because he checked on Tom like he had heard from Julie but he didn't check on it right away. He waited until uh, the next day and Tom is already gone. But he also didn't have all of the information he needed Mm -hmm. because we find out that he's flag has not trusted him with everything. Yeah. There was the list of the committee members. Yeah. So she said Nick's name. And if he had had that list, he would have made that connection and they would have caught Tom. And that was flags bad. So uh, Lloyd's terrified of Flag, but also his faith is starting to be shaken. Um, and they have this meeting where Flag is oh hold on, on first, the border of Flag madness. comes back with his bride. Yes, <laughs> which is creepy as all hell because she's just a a, a mannequin, basically. and he's happy. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna be a daddy. Ugh. This is my life. So gross. Um, but they have this really intense where Flag is like, I want I want uh, bombers in two weeks. I want ev- all this. And he goes off and he makes Lloyd give him this rundown. And then at the end, Lloyd finally <laughs> tells him, oh, yeah, by the way. Uh, promise you won't be mad. <laughs> but I know who the spy might be. <laughs> and he's mad. Yeah, he'll be super mad. He's real mad. He, he says, OK, we have to 
we have to catch this spy. And Flag doesn't even know why. He's just like, the third spy cannot go back to Boulder. But he sends out the helicopters. <laughs> it's so good. Big mistake. The helicopters, <laughs> which fly up and immediately explode, thanks to Trash Can Man, the hero <laughs> of this book. And Flag has given the order to kill Trash Can, quick and painless. He mm. doesn't want him to suffer, but he's like, yep, I thought he'd last longer. Just do it. This is sad. I know Nadine mm. is responsible for a lot of heartache, and that's why Nick is gone, and he should have also been one of our main characters. But she has just enough left in her. She gets flagged to release her. Yes. Uh, this is another amazing scene, because it's that night, um, Flag is on the balcony of the MGM Grand and floating because that always helps him calm down when he hears behind him a voice saying, it's all falling apart, man. And he turns around and it's Nadine talking to him calmly and serenely and saying, they're leaving. People are leaving Vegas by night because they don't trust, they don't believe in you anymore. And what is it that she says that finally drives him over the edge? She says, they're leaving their posts in the dead of the night and your eye doesn't see them. They're leaving their posts and sneaking away. They're leaving you. The ones that are left won't lift a finger when the men from the East come to finish you once and for all. And then it says it snapped. Flag flips out. And we've seen him go into these temper tantrums. Every time that he something goes wrong, when Dana killed herself, he picks her body up and kicks her around the room. When Lloyd delivered this news, he started throwing stuff. Including thro- Lloyd. Including <laughs> Lloyd. And uh, so he gets so angry, he picks Nadine up over his head and whips her off the top story balcony of the MGM Grand. Awesome. And she does not make a sound. The image of Nadine falling with a smile on her face is so powerful. And you can, I can just feel the relief in her that she won't have to birth the Antichrist, basically. Stephen King did a really good job writing these characters who... On the surface, seem it seems pretty clear, like, oh, they're evil, they're bad. But making you sympathize with them, mm-hmm. even after the terrible things that they've done. And I sympathized with her. She had a bad ending. I felt I was happy for her escape. Yeah. We, we do get in this, I just want to bring it up for this one line. We get throughout this chapter, Tom's journey east. Uh, Which I wanted to bring up for two reasons. First of all, as he's traveling by night, when he sleeps in the day, he has a dream of Nick, which is so sweet. Nick can talk in his dreams, and it's so bittersweet because Tom's so happy to see him, but he won't tell him that that he's passed. Yeah, when Tom's talking about being excited to get home and see Nick... And Nick just, like, turns away from him. Yeah. And two, because at the end of the chapter, Tom gets up and he starts, he packs up his stuff and he starts heading east. And he prays to love his friends and kung fu. (laughs) (laughs) And I love it so much. He says the Lord's Prayer, but he doesn't know it. So he prays to the Lord who gives him kung fu in times of need. <laughs> and it's yep. beautiful. I'd like to combine chapter 68 and yeah, 70. I, yeah, I agree. Trash Can Man, we we join him as he is burnt all to hell. He says that his skin is blackened with sunburn. And he has thrown away the amulet that the that flag gave him. And he is blacking out he's having these these moments of of blackout because he's so dehydrated and he was stung by a scorpion i guess yeah <laughs> and we uh, that's when we find out that he saw his old ghosts haunting him and that's what drove him to this point and he knows what he's done is the wrong thing so the only way he can make it up to flag is 
He needs to find Flag something that will grant him redemption. Like a nice knickknack. Yeah, like a, a I heart flag mug. Yeah. Uh, uh, giant megaton uh, atomic bomb. Or that. That's love. Love is an <laughs> atomic warhead. <laughs> that get me that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's he. He's not looking for forgiveness, per se. He's looking to atone. Yes, because he has this very. He still has this very weird sense of, of uh, relationships. Yeah, social he, norms. Yeah, <laughs> well, he he still has this idea of my life for you. He still mm-hmm. says my life for you, but you get the feeling he's not saying it to flag so much anymore, because the next time he says it, it's after he finds this. I bar. totally agree with you because there's a moment, and I think it's it might be in this chapter where he. Or no, it was when he was setting up all the bombs and he Mm -hmm. thought, I could undo this. I could just stop and everything would be fine. But then he thinks about the fire and how beautiful it's going to be. My life for you, his God is is fire. Fire, 100%. So he finds this bunker that has radiation uh, signs everywhere. He heads down and finds this warhead. And it's so heavy and it's deep underground in this bunker and he's like how the hell i'm i'm incapacitated basically i'm weak i'm horribly burned and it's up i have to carry it up like five flights of stairs how am i going to do this and he thinks love will find a way (laughs) love that and it does god oh it does trash can man's the best finally after all of this i all of this action and all of the goings-on in Vegas is so fascinating to me that when we finally get back to Glenn, Ralph, Stu, and Larry. And Kojak. And Kojak, <laughs> of course. I I had almost forgot about them, honestly. Uh, <laughs> me too. They've been walking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We already talked about how For they, 11 days. they came across Harold. Yeah. They've walked, I think, 300-some miles. So kind of backtracking a little bit, flag... While Trash is doing all this stuff, Flag goes into the desert and he's meditating and he sends out his eye and he finds our group. And Kojak wakes up and kind of raises the alarm and scares him off. The most important thing that happens in this chapter is they that all they come. found the kid, the oh. wolf man. <sighs> okay. <laughs> we, all right. we don't have to spend a lot we of broke time CM on this. real quick. <laughs> Only interesting because like later. Larry is haunted by the Wolfman and yes. Stu is haunted by Harold. Mm-hmm. So th- that was just sort of, and they're both horrible. I mean, I hated baby yes. Elvis more, but. But it's nice that we know that the, the wolves did wait until the kid came I just out. thought it was interesting because yeah. it was, it was just like Julie Laurie where they show up again. And you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> that guy. Uh, good. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. So they come to a washout and we get some fake outs here. <laughs> They have to climb down this very steep embankment and climb up the other side to to get across this pass. And it's very treacherous. They're all very careful. And they everybody makes their way up except for Stu. Stu's the last one, and he is a few handholds away from getting up the other side. And he falls. He bashes his knee on a boulder. He snaps his leg in at least two places and rolls his way to the bottom of this pit. They leave Stu and Kojak. Well, Kojak stays behind with Stu. So they leave Stu behind. And this not chapter, after an, a long argument. Yeah, yeah. Larry, Larry is not happy about it. But this chapter ends in a very familiar way. And they never saw Stu Redman again. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, this whole, really, from here until the end of the book is where I begin to have my problems. I've definitely mentioned in this, uh, throughout the run of this podcast, I have definitely made numerous references to the ending of The Stand and my feelings about it. And I, I, I tried really hard to clarify, to work out exactly what my problem with it is. And it's that from here to the end, and arguably before this, I don't know, there's no agency. 
There's no, it is not our characters acting because that's the way our characters would act. It is all our characters doing stuff because it's the will of God. Except for Glenn. I think he had his agency at the end. <laughs> yeah, I, kind of. Yeah. No one else did, but. Well, only because it didn't really affect anything. Um, it's almost it's, like Glenn doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's Stu falling. Why did Nick die? Exactly. It's all I. I, I don't know. It's, Let, let's talk yes. about what happens, and then I do want to have a discussion about the end. I want to make sure we have time for that because yes. it is very interesting. Even though I've read it before, I got to the end, and then I was like, "Oh no, this isn't the end." There's like five more chapters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as we join our our remaining heroes, Glenn keeps having this feeling that they're going to be picked up by Flagsmen any day now. And a couple days later, they crest a hill and there are two trucks with Flagsmen and they approach them just so cool, calm and collected. Like, hey guys, uh, we knew you'd be here waiting for us. You uh, you ready to arrest us? You ready to take us in? And they're like, you're under arrest. Like, yeah, we know. <laughs> I we walked that. here. Yeah, the, they try to like strong arm them and we're like, we, we want to be taken in, you fucking idiots like let's go yeah they they won't say flag's name because flag is voldemort to them i guess <laughs> and they they get in the police car they're they're taken into the station and they're like giving the cops shit for being on flag's side and my favorite thing is they get to the police station and they handcuff them and bring them to separate wings and uh, dorgan the police officer glenn says you're gonna regret being on Flag's side, there's just not enough Nazi in you. <laughs> and then he just leaves him. Uh, I had a lot to say about Glenn before, but Glenn, in the end here, taking his shots, and yeah. each one of them lands, and I love it. So they have separated them in different wings. Flag and Lloyd come in to interrogate Glenn. Flag says, I'll let you go, but you've got to get on your knees and, and beg for it. Glenn and Glenn's like <laughs>, laughs in his fucking face. Yeah, he actually. Uh, this is I had to go back and write this. Glenn laughs and tells him, "Find a big pile of sand, a hammer, and pound <laughs> that sound that sand up your ass." And it's amazing. Flag tears open the door, tells Lloyd to shoot him. Lloyd doesn't really want to, and Glenn's like, huh, "Kill me yourself, asshole." And as a matter of fact, Lloyd, if you got to shoot somebody, uh, shoot that guy. And then Lloyd shoots the hell out of Glenn forever and cries. It's another awesome blow to Lloyd's faith. Yeah. At this point, Lloyd is with Flag, not because he's faithful to him, but because without him, he is nothing. Mm -hmm. If he went to 100%. Canada or California or Boulder, he would be the old Lloyd. And he realizes quality over quantity, I guess it's better to die being this fuller person. Flag has made sure to build a spectacle for their execution because he wants to the people to regain faith in him. So the next day they grab Larry and Ralph and Larry has come to terms finally with who he is, what's happening. And he just wants to hope that the people who knew him back then would be proud of who he is now, which I thought was a great way to resolve his feelings towards mm -hmm. everything. They've come to bring them to their execution. And Larry has just this knowledge. He knows Glenn is dead and that somehow him and Ralph dying is going to resolve all of this because he finally believes in God's plan. He's ready to sacrifice himself. Larry and Ralph are hilarious on the trip. <laughs> They're being their guards are taking them down like, guys, don't you realize this is all over? What you're doing doesn't mean anything, but go ahead and take us if you feel like that's what you have to do. They are taken to these metal cages with chains in the openings, and they are going to be drawn and quartered by cars is what is going to happen Fucking to them for their execution. Brutal. Yeah. They are led into the cages, shirts removed and handcuffed. And Larry uses the gift that he has his projection, his voice as a performer, and he broadcasts out to all the citizens of Vegas that this is bullshit and flag sucks. I'm paraphrasing, of course. I'm yeah. pretty sure his speech was a little more <laughs> yeah. elegant. 
Flag himself steps forward to read their decree and sentence them. He blames everything that has happened on them. He blames the Indian Springs bombing on these guys. Then Whitney, who I thought was, yeah, I thought he was going to have left by now. He didn't. He bursts through the crowd and says, stop this. It's not right. We are not monsters. He is the one person to denounce Flag, which is pretty fucking rad. Yeah. (laughs) And what does Flag do? He creates a small ball of fire and draws it across his mouth and eyes, melting his skin shut. It's so cool. So as this is happening, Larry and Ralph start chanting, I will fear no evil. They are taking that power. Whitney dies. Flag then holds this fireball at the crowd, asking if anybody else has anything to say. When all of a sudden... We get the return of the trash can man. The crowd breaks and scatters because he is driving an electric cart in the last stages of radiation sickness. So his body is legit falling apart. There is an illustration. It's so cool. In uh, my copy of the book, at least. Disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Bad. They say it's like his eyelids have fallen off. Yeah. Oh, his God. lips have rotted away. Eyelids just, falling off isn't a no, phrase I want. It's to bad. Hear. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you need to see it because it's amazing. <sighs> okay. And he sees it coming. The crowd's running away and Flag begs Lloyd to make him stop and take it away. And Trash Can can tell when he sees Flag, he can tell that is not the same man I left, which I thought was so mm-hmm. awesome. Flag... Now, now here is the, I had to go back on this. Me too. <laughs> yep, this is the part. <laughs> this ball of energy that is out there, Flag has been so distracted by the dispersal of the crowd, he's forgotten, oh, I have a giant fireball hanging in the sky, and loses control of it, and it goes towards Trash Can Man, and... Just before it hits, uh, I believe it's Larry sees that uh, this ghostly figure appears in directly in the space in front of Flag. This this shapeless demon kind of thing, and Flag essentially disappears before the ball of energy ignites the warhead, nuking Las Vegas. Okay, hold on. At this point, it is not a ball of energy. Because Ralph looks up into the sky and he's the first to see it. And he says, Larry, oh my God, it's the hand of God. Yeah. And Larry notes, it's shaped like a hand. Yeah. The end of this book is the most literal deus ex machina (laughs) that I have ever read. I wrote down, deus touches the machina. (laughs) Because that's how... The big final showdown is literally God going, hey, beep, you're all dead. It is the lamest. I, I mean, okay, it's it's cool. It's, okay, sure, you got me. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. cool. But my problem with the whole ending is that it, there's no heroic action. There's no agency. It is our heroes are locked in a cage. They do nothing to cause this to happen. Them being there served no purpose. It does. Their their sacrifice, because of Flag's hubris and his desire to use, to exploit their deaths, to bring himself back into control, led to everything being destroyed because... Everyone was there. Let's say, for instance, there was not a a demonstration. There was no crowd. Somebody could have noticed Trash Can miles away bringing this cart, and there could have been more time to stop this. There could have been more focus. Except, but- except no. I disagree. <laughs> okay. Because this is all God's plan. This yeah. is all, this happened because God said it, and if God is infallible, then this was going to happen anyway. He moved all the pieces into place. Why? They needed the the sacrifice. Like they sacrificed themselves to God be the spectacle. If God wanted to kill Flag, he could have just boop. You're dead. Yeah, like, that could have happened in chapter nine. Exactly. 
it's this this ending just brings into focus by having it this ultimate battle between good and evil powers that are more powerful and beyond our comprehension and bringing in a human element just makes me go what 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 was the point here but them following this faith based plan yes. with no ability like i did write that the, the uh there's a complete lack of action in this chapter because the act of walking there was the heroic action right i, don't <laughs> I know. wanted a big fight guys not, that's but, what yeah. i'm saying it's not but it's 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 the reward it's okay. the reward for following this faith-based plan that they had no reason to believe would succeed except for believing in the power of of good believing in the white as it were and and following through with that and gotcha. that's the the reward is that that small act was able to demolish evil i guess this is just a case of uh my own personal issues sure. getting yeah, in the I mean, way of uh of uh the, the same feeling i would get if i was reading like left behind yeah <laughs> except this book is way fucking more badass yeah, so cool. that's an unfair comparison this book ends and then it goes on which <laughs> yeah i think it's fitting because i feel like our episode just ended but i am going to go on <laughs> yep there we go i'm going to Briefly summarize chapters 74 through 78 for all of you. And if there's a point that you want to touch on when I'm done, we can talk about that. But then I want to finish with the epilogue and any final thoughts we have about the overall ending of the book. Kojak has been keeping Stu alive. He's been bringing him wood for fire and just keeping him going. Stu is getting very sick because he's out in the elements he wakes up and he he feels an earthquake and he sees the mushroom cloud from this bomb he figures probably that everybody's gone like larry glenn ralph it's just him and a few days later he decides he's gonna try to make his way home and tom finds him they manage to get a car and get it going rolling it downhill but it's quite some time before they actually make it back to Boulder. Stu is dying at this point, and Tom is having dreams about Nick again, and Nick is guiding him. He's, you know, they're stopped in this town, they're in a hotel, and he's like, You have to go to the pharmacy, here's what you need. And Tom sees all of these medicine bottles laid out for him, and Nick explains what each one does. And if this one doesn't work, try this one and make sure he drinks a lot of juice, Mm -hmm. plenty of fluids. So he's guiding Tom in how to nurse Stu back to health. Tom does. Stu recovers. And they get holed up in a Holiday Inn for about a month because of the snow. They spend Christmas together. There's this very Uh cool scene, which we can talk about more, where Stu gives tom a christmas uh, i uh, all i have to say is that i this whole part i was like okay this could have been shorter and then christmas came and <laughs> made me cry a lot it was made this whole chapter worthwhile <laughs> and this whole time Stu is having dreams about franny and he has this feeling this intuition that if he doesn't get home something bad is going to happen so they decide that they're going to go for it they find a snowmobile and they make their way to boulder They get caught in an avalanche. Things get kind of hairy, but they finally make it back. So Stu and Franny are reunited. She has already given birth, I think, about seven days before they get back. And the doctor thinks that the baby is going to be okay. Well, there was a a scare. There were some caveats. Yeah, when he first comes, they say that the baby has Captain Trips. The babies that are going to be born now... Mm to parents who maybe weren't both immune, they are going to have it and they're going to have to survive it basically, but it's not fatal for them. So they just, you know, being a newborn and having this Mm -hmm. flu is going to be dangerous. Um, Also, Lucy is pregnant and that made me real freaking sad. Oh God, that's so sad. Larry would have been so excited. (sighs) So winter ends, it's spring and Franny's starting to get homesick. She tells Stu, we don't have to do it right now. But I want to go home. I want to go back to Maine. Boulder at this point is getting too big. Stu is not on the committee anymore. He's not sheriff. Things have, it's just a different community. Not bad, not good, just different. It's really? Because I wrote down the zone sucks now. <laughs> it's, it's not their community anymore. 
And so they decide to make their way east. A few months later, we see them at Mother Abigail's home with their son, Peter. This is the dumbest idea ever, right? 100%. <laughs> like, yep. she's like, hey, I want to move a thousand miles away <laughs> from the only civilization that there is. And when he's like, well, what if you get pregnant? She's like, nah, we can make medicine. What? <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> Fran and Stu are going to make a, be able yeah. to make their own epidural. Why like, don't they just, they should move a couple miles outside of Sure. Border. Yeah, that makes way more sense. Or get sense. a group of well, people to go with them. That's, yeah. That's the point. By by this point, there are more than 18,000 people in the community, which is massive. There were 11,000 people in the zone in April and 8,000 more by May. That makes 19,000. 19, Jesus. 19,000. So there are 19,000 people, and they even say, we gathered here for a reason. That reason's over. We should start spreading out again. But maybe not all the way across the country at first. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, maybe spread a little closer. Sure. <laughs> not so thin. I, honest to God, thought they might just settle in Nebraska. When that moment happened, mm-hmm. I thought maybe like they decided that that would be the place. But no. They have a sweet yeah. setup there. Yeah. Bitch and tire swing. Anyway, epilogue time. This was cut. This was not in the original. This is was added. It? Yes, this was. Oh, really? This epilogue is added for the uncut edition. I like it. Which, Holy what shit. did you think of the book ending and then the book ending and then and the then epilogue? And then the book's yeah. ending. A short and sweet version flags back is, is the epilogue of it. He comes to, just opens his eyes. He just exists again. He's fully dressed. And his memory just like starts coming back. He like sees the water and he's like, oh, there's a boat. How do I know that's a boat? <laughs> ah, I'm sure I know it's a boat. It's fine. <laughs> and like existence just starts coming back to him. And then there are these uh, these people come through the brush and they don't speak the language he speaks. He rattles through like four different languages. They don't speak any of them. And in the end, he's just like, huh. Yeah, I can take these guys over. <laughs> Here's my question. Is he in the same world? I was going to ask yes! that. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to say no. no. I don't think so he's either. Not, he's not no. in the stand Mm-mm. universe. Nope. Yeah. I completely agree. This mm-hmm. is just a new iteration of Walter O'Dim. Yeah. We could get a new book uh, just continuing oh, where this epilogue left I off. Love that. Time to rate this bad Let's boy. Let's do it. Uh, guys, uh, first time reader, uh, 1500 pages. This is the biggest book i've ever read and for all of the 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 slow parts for all the committee meetings for all of the things that i i didn't like there are a thousand more things i liked and they all just built this world that now that we're done i'm legitimately sad to leave this book behind because i feel like i know these characters and i know this world so well i will miss this book so much so Five out of five blue chambray shirts. I'm going to try very hard not to commit any blasphemies. Um, <laughs> Good lead. The stand, it, as I've said before, this was my first King book. It will always hold a very special place in my heart. For as much shit as I gave it throughout these episodes, because that's my job on this podcast, <laughs> it, it, I love this book. However, I don't know if it is due to uh, the nature of reading it for the podcast and being under a time constraint and also all the other shit I have going on <laughs> in my life in general, that reading this book stressed me the fuck out. <laughs> and I wish it was fucking shorter. <laughs> I, am, I, I think it's all the stuff. It has to Because I've always defended people being like, it needs to be edited down. I've always been like, no, that's half the fun. It could use an editor's touch. <laughs> This is hard for me, guys. I don't know what to say. I don't want to... Listeners, please be nice to me. (laughs) In my heart, I want to say three stars, but I'm giving it four. Just because it's the fucking stand. For for what? Blue chambray shirts, of course. Um, It's the stand, guys. Come on. (laughs) You gotta love it. You just have to. I see both of your points there. So on the one hand, you have these longer pieces that kind of drag, which I feel are just part of being a Stephen King book so I still love it and it's it has given us just these iconic pieces that add to the King universe that I love so much that I think it's an important book it's a keystone book oh absolutely 
it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm excited to watch the miniseries, which I have weird memories of. So we'll see how that goes. I'm going to give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. That is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode, part six, as we cover the Stand miniseries. For Benjamin Graham and CM Alexander, I'm Joshua Khan reminding you, life was such a wheel that no man could stand upon it for long. And it always, at the end, came round to the same place again. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thanks for listening to part five of The Stand. We referred to Old Daddy Flag as many names throughout these episodes, but there are so many more. Courtesy of StephenKing.Fandom.com, here are a few more names Flag goes by. The Ageless Stranger, The Walkin' Dude, The Dark Man, The Hard Case, The Man in Black, The Tall Man, The Midnight Rambler, The Adversary, The Grinning Man, He Who Walks Behind the Rose, Richard Fry, Robert Frank, Ramsey Forrest, Robert Fremont, Richard Fremantle, Russell Faraday, The Monster, The Man with No Face, Richard Fannin, Raymond Fiegler, Walter O'Dim, Martin Broadcloak, and Walter Paddock, just to name a few. Tell us your favorite flag moniker on our social media at Dairy Public Radio. As always, check out our website at constantreaders.org. Please rate and review us on iTunes and visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash dairypublicradio. If you don't want to subscribe to our Patreon but still want to show us some love, you can give us a one-time donation using our PayPal, dairypublicradio at gmail.com. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.